0: Church, I am excited to take on this new role here at FC uh, and also just honored to be able to speak with you guys again this morning, but it's going to be a great season in our church. I mean, think about all the things that are going on. Uh, number one, think we're, we're kind of entering into this somewhat of a post-COVID world. It kind of feels afraid to like, are we going to jinx us or whatever, but you know, we're kind of moving into that season, schools coming back. Uh, then we have game day coming up in August where we invite people to, to come to the church to, to hear about the gospel gospel and we see people get saved and baptized. Then we're opening up a new facility next door and then we're launching a location in Bearden all in like the next two months. So uh, yeah, absolutely. I think we got a couple woohoo's. woo-hoos. Uh, yeah, and we got somebody clapping back there, giving the golf clap. Uh, so... Big, big month for our church, and I just want to remind you from the beginning today, the enemy absolutely hates that. Like, he despises that we as a church are taking ground. And so, like, he hates it, and the enemy comes to steal, he comes to kill, he comes to destroy. And so he wants to do that in the volunteers' lives, he wants to do it in your lives, he wants to do it in all of our lives, in our church, in our ministries. He wants to stop us from taking ground for the kingdom of God. Of God, and He wants to do that through deceiving you, distracting you, getting you, getting you all off focus. And so, what we're just saying, and, and really our team, and as we're thinking through, what does our church need in this season? Like, what do we need to focus in on over this next few uh, few weeks? We just said, hey, if we're going to fight back against the enemy, if we're going to fight back against all the things that want to stop all these great things from taking place, then we need a series to focus in. On prayer, and because that's how we battle. That's how we win this war is through prayer. And, and so uh, today we're gonna t- talk about prayer. Next week, Pastor Gray is gonna share with us. Uh, but I don't know if you consider yourself a person of prayer, someone who who's like, yeah, that's my that's my gifting, that's my gift set. I'm called to be a person of prayer. So really, if I'm if I'm honest with you guys, that is one of the largest weak points in my spiritual life, is being a man and a pastor of prayer. So when COVID all began to start happening and take place, we all, uh, we all went to online education, we all went to online Zoom meetings, and we started working remotely, and so we had a lot more time at home, right? And so as, as all this was happening in our world, I really felt the Lord kind of impressing upon me that I needed to grow personally in this area, that I can't be a pastor who is not reliant on the ministry of prayer. And so I, I begin to read and begin to think and, and begin to challenge myself to become a person of prayer. So I started waking up at 4.30 a.m. in the morning, all right, brewing the coffee, setting the alarm, and waking up before my wife wakes up and before my kids wake up, because that's the only time the house is quiet, and, and and spending some time just learning to be a man Of prayer, and and so I've been really challenged in this. And and one of our our our, our pastors who's moved on, he's a missionary in Zambia, Pastor Todd. uh, He challenged us in a season to learn how to pray for people like out loud in public. And for me, that's always been an area of my life. like I can pray up on stage in front of you guys. I can pray in a meeting. I can pray at my house. But praying for someone in public just felt weird to me. Okay, so he challenged us to learn this thing called care through prayer. And care through prayer basically is when somebody expresses some area of brokenness in their life or something that they're struggling with or something that's difficult, that you would just stop right in the air and say, hey man, can can I pray for you? And you would use that moment as a way to share the love of Jesus with that person. So I'm, I go to the gym, I go to National Fitness Center and so I have one earbud in, I'm trying to listen for, for conversations. And I, I'm like, like trying to hear like, okay, how can I begin to share the gospel? And you know how like, the Lord just kind of leads you to that person. You're like, okay, this is it. So we're in the locker room, and uh, I'm, I'm, we, we, I just showered off, and I'm getting changed for work that day. And uh, I'm putting stuff in my bag, and I hear this man talking about some sort of ailment. I don't remember what it was in his life. And so my ears perk up, and I'm like, all right, this is your moment. You've been praying that the Lord would bring you opportunities. Here's your opportunity. Go for it. So I'm, I'm talking to him and I'm hearing you know, what's going on and I'm kind of looking in my bag and doing stuff and getting ready for the day. And, and I'm like, hey man, can I pray for you? And I turn around and this man just happens to not be in the same amount of clothes that he had on before. He's <laughs> an older gentleman, you know how them guys are in the locker rooms, okay? Um, so, uh, so I was like, all right, well, we're, we're, going, we're, we're, we're doing this hand on the shoulder, Lord Jesus, bless this not really clothed man. And uh, yeah, I became a person of prayer that day. (laughs) So here's what I'm saying, all right? I know that becoming a person of prayer can be awkward. (laughs) And it ain't always pretty either, let me just say that, all right? And, And so I know, I get it, that sometimes becoming a person of prayer, it just doesn't always feel natural to us, but I would say that, really, most of us have some sort of prayer life, okay? So really, most of us have some sort of prayer life in our lives, in fact, Barner Research says this, that 79% of all Americans, not just religiously affiliated Americans, 79% of all Americans have prayed in the last three months. So that that makes sense for us because we, we know how to pray prayers at night. We know how to pray that God would take care of us. We know how to pray that a crying baby would go to sleep. You get desperate in the middle of night, you'll say whatever you want. Lord, whatever you want to do to get this baby, I'll, I'll do it. All right? Uh, get, just get it to sleep. We know how to pray to our net uh, pray for our nation. We know how to pray when we're faced with bad news. That could be cancer. It could be a, a really bad news from the doctor. Even a really, really bad person knows how to pray when they hit bad turbulence. On an airplane, right? Like we have some sort of prayer life. And, and my point is that, that we many of us we, we pray. We've said prayers before. But do we know how to have a powerful and effective prayer life? So I, I love what the half-brother of Jesus James he says in James 5. He says this: He says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So if I went around the room and I said by a show of hands, how many of you all have prayed in the last three months? I would imagine, especially just where we live at in, in the country, that most of us have said some sort of prayer in the last three months. I would say that most of us have raised our, would raise our hand for that. But if I walked around the room and said, how many of you all would say and define your prayer life as powerful and effective, what would you say? I would imagine that many of us probably wouldn't say, yeah, that's me. Powerful and effective prayers is my spiritual strength. And so I think about guys that I've met in my life who are like, they just have that, that power of prayer. I think about, there's a guy named Clayton King. He, we brought him on a Wednesday night to to, to do one of our events for student ministry to preach. And uh, we were having an event called the Blackout 100. And we were simply just celebrating that 100 people had met Jesus in the past few years at FC Students. And so we're celebrating. There wasn't like this big prayer that like 100 more kids would meet Jesus or anything like that. But he, he just prays backstage. And he says, Lord, I pray that tonight 100 more kids would meet Jesus. And we're not expecting anything big or anything like that. And i tell you what, In the invitation, 107 kids stand up to meet Jesus that night. I've never seen anything like that. He prayed it, God answered, powerful and effective. I think of a man in our church who uh, recently passed away. His name was Tony McConnell. Tony McConnell, if you ever got the blessing of meeting him, an amazing, amazing man. Even as things shut down in COVID and his health was declining, you would see him walk in the halls of this church just praying. He'd come up to you and he'd ask you, uh, he'd say, hey, I've been praying about the thing that you told him about months ago. Even as his health was declining in his last few weeks here on earth, he was in that care and prayer room right behind that stadium seating, praying his last Sunday here at church. I would imagine that many of the blessings of this church were because of the prayers of Tony McConnell. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Those of you know him. You meet guys like that, and you're like, there's something special about him. And we've really kind of, you know, as a culture, we've said, oh, those guys are prayer warriors, Right. You know, we kind of use that term as like, oh, there's these guys, they are like this special class of people who, who like pray, and, and then there's the rest of us that are like, we're just kind of normal people who like pray that the fried chicken from Chick-fil-A would bless us to the nourishment of our bodies. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like there's this like, there's this varsity level prayers, and then there's JV, Right? You know, the varsity levels, they're the prayer warriors, they're the Tonys, the Claytons of the world. And then the rest of us, we're just kind of normal and we say prayers at night and we, we say prayers over our meals and we say prayers when things are going to go wrong in our lives. Where did that even come from? Because the term prayer warrior is nowhere in the Bible. It's nowhere in the Bible. You know, you know how we came up with the term prayer warriors? People like me and people like some of you, we needed a way to explain away why we don't pray. <laughs> And we explain why our life just seems normal and their lives seem different. Well, there's no special set of people, prayer warriors and the rest of us. There's no varsity and JV Christians. And and so there's no such thing as that. And I think that, that really we as the people of God need to be shook by the spirit of God to call us back to pray in the power of God. Let me read you a quote from a man named Leonard Ravenhill who is a, a very, very uh, a, a pastor who was very, very influential a long time ago. I want to read this to you. And this is a, a bomb quote that is incredible. I want you to focus in here. He says this, No man is greater than his prayer life. Whew. The pastor who is not praying is playing. And the people who are not praying are straying. We have many organizers, but few agonizers. We have many players and payers, but few prayers. Many singers and few clingers. Lots of pastors and few wrestlers. Many fears, few tears. Much fashion, little passion. Many interferers, few intercessors. Many riders, but few fighters. Failing here, we fail everywhere. Let me sum that up in one quote here. If we fail in prayer, we fail everywhere. If we build a building, but we fail in prayer, we fail everywhere. If we launch 10 locations in the next five years, but if we fail in prayer, we fail everywhere. If we see hundreds of kids and we got to put overflow seating in the atrium, but we fail in prayer, we fail fail everywhere and hear me, Jesus doesn't want you to fail. He doesn't want you to fail in this way. In fact, he wants you to have that powerful and effective prayer life that your heart wants. And so over the next two weeks as we're in this series, how we pray, what we're going to be looking at is the man who had the most powerful and effective prayer life ever. And we're going to look at how he prays so we can learn how we can pray as well, And the man who had the most powerful and effective prayer life ever was Jesus himself. And so he teaches us how to pray in Matthew chapter 6. So if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. We'll also be in Matthew chapter 7 here in just a few moments, uh, but we're going to start out Here And so this is Jesus. He's talking here. He's been recorded by a man named Matthew. We have all kinds of manuscripts showing that have been passed down for generations after generations recording what Matthew says that Jesus said. And so I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter six. Jesus is correcting some people in their prayer lives and he says this. He says, here's how you pray. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we've also forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, you may have heard this prayer before. This is in Christian culture. We call this the Lord's Prayer. Now the Lord's Prayer you may have seen it on a T-shirt you may have had it on a coffee mug you may have uh, maybe your sports team every time you go out and play a football game or whatever match you were in would all together would say the Lord's Prayer but this is one of the most popular passages in Scripture that Jesus actually teaches us to pray like Him and so in this week we're going to talk about the who we pray to who are we praying to and then next week Pastor Greg is going to be talking about the what. What should our prayer life look like? So, uh, or uh, and, and really, how do we actually, what's the, what's the formula that, le- that Jesus lays out here for us? So week one, we're looking at the who, and week two, we are looking at the how. And so today, I wanna focus in on the who, though. Who are we praying to? And, and let's start here. Let's go back to this verse number, verse nine here. It says this, pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So let's break down each part of this verse. Let's start here with pray then like this. Let's not overstate the obvious though. Or let's not understate the obvious. Jesus calls us to pray, okay? So let's just lay that out here. Jesus calls us to pray. It's not a spiritual add-on. It's not varsity level stuff. It's not when you're in crisis. It's an expectation of every believer. And think about this, Jesus prays. If even the Son of God prays, how much more should we, who are not God, be prayed? Even Jesus prays. And prayer, then, is simply a conversation with God. And like any relationship, a conversation must happen, and it must happen often. And he says, pray then like this, our Father in Heaven. Now, really, my entire message is going to hinge around this part of the verse. And, And so he tells us to pray to our Father in heaven. Now, you may be new to the faith and you're wondering, what's the difference between Jesus and the Father? Well, we see throughout Scripture that God reveals himself to us as our Father and us, his children. But it's not just the Father. He exists in a relationship called the Trinity. And the Trinity there is God the Father. There's God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. They're not three gods. They are one God, but they are three distinct persons. This is one of the great mysteries of our faith that we'll never understand until we get to heaven. But we can trust in faith because this is how God identifies and reveals himself to us in Scripture. But Jesus specifically says that when we address God through prayer, we should address God the father. And then he says this, hallowed be your name. Now the word hallowed is not a word that we often use in our culture, but it simply means sacred. It means, it means holy. It means consecrated and honored. So in other words, Jesus, who is eternally God, begins his prayers with worship. Now let me tell you why this is important. This is important because prayer is not primarily for your needs. It is for your needs. Does Jesus want to hear, or does God want to hear from you? Absolutely. Does the Father want to talk to you? Yes. Does he want to hear about your needs? But God is not primarily for you. God is primarily for God because he's worthy of all the worship. And Jesus says that when we pray, we should pray to our Father. And I guess that makes us ask the question then, is it okay to pray to Jesus or the Holy Spirit. Now, I think this is something that we often do because you'll hear people say, Lord Jesus, would you? Or Holy Spirit, would you come? And and, and you would say, no, that's not necessarily a sin to do that, to pray to Jesus or the Holy Spirit because, well, they're all one God. But the pattern that you see throughout Scripture is clear that the way we pray is we pray to our Father primarily, Theologian Bruce Wayne, or Bruce, Bruce Wayne, that's Batman. Bruce Ware. <laughs> got me on that one. <laughs> he says it like this. No. Uh, <laughs> Bruce Ware says this. The traditional, theologically correct way of Trinitarian prayer is to pray to the Father in the name of the Son through the power of the Holy Spirit. So is it wrong to pray and express love to Jesus or the Holy Spirit? No, but like Jesus, if we wanna have a powerful and effective prayer life, We pray to the person of the Trinity who has the power and authority. He is the Father, and he even has absolute authority over Jesus and the Holy Spirit. We see Jesus constantly submitting to the Father's will. So that's why we pray to our Father. And here's why this changes everything. and Why I think, you know, it seems like a a, a finer point of of theology, but I think it's something that, that really changes things for us, okay? I want you to think about this, all right? As a man, there is nothing more embarrassing than needing to borrow another man's tools, okay? Because you don't have them yourself. <laughs> I, I've done this many times. Um, and so I absolutely hate, I absolutely hate having to run down guys like Greg Wilson for, uh, for his power tools or things like that. Uh, I, I, I wanna have my own set of tools. I wanna need my own garage full of a whole tool chest that I can one day use. I don't, I don't know how to use them, but maybe one day. Um, so, but you know who I don't care to ask to borrow their tools? My dad. My dad, he has all kinds of tools, all the power tools they need. And I'll ask him every single week for a different tool. I'm not gonna buy my own tools. I'm gonna use his. Now, here's why, I, here's why I think this is important, okay? Because your father in heaven has all the power tools. He has every tool you'd ever need. And when we realize who our Father is, we realize that we get to walk in that same power. That the tools that our Father has, we get access to. See, your Father has the power, now we just need to ask Him through prayer. I love how Matthew seven says this. Matthew seven says this. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. We'll go to verse eight, or verse nine here. Or which one of you, so he kind of sets this up. He gives kind of an object lesson here. He's saying, which one of you fathers, is who he's referring to, he's he's talking to a group of men, if his son asked him for bread, will give him a stone? Everybody's like, yeah, if you ask, what father would do that? Or if he asked for a fish to eat, he'd give him a serpent or a snake that would bite him. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give the good things to those who ask of him? So he's saying, he's setting this up here. He's like, ask, seek, knock, because your father is a good father. And if even us earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will your heavenly father who is perfect will? You know, I really believe this is, really wise, many of us don't have a prayer life that can ask, seek, and knock and see the door open. And it's not because we don't pray. It's because we don't pray in faith knowing exactly how good our Father is. Because if we knew how good and how giving our Father was, we would pray big, bold prayers. See, we can ask, we can seek, and we can knock because he is is our dad. Let me sum sum it up for you like this. My bottom line is that good fathers love to give good gifts. We know this, right? If you're a dad in the room, no dad in the room wants to give their child a bad gift. They wanna give them something they find joy in. Good fathers love to give good gifts. And I believe if you would get this in your prayer life, things would begin to change. Because if you knew how much God wanted to move on your behalf and for his glory, you'd pray a whole lot more. If you just knew how much your father wants what's best for you, you would have a much stronger prayer life. If you just knew how much your father wants to hear from you, if you just knew how much your heavenly father loved you and cared for you, then maybe we'd become a people who pray to him more often because good fathers love to give good gifts and sons and daughters Who have a good father and know their good father, expect it. Because that's who dad is. But the problem is that many of us have a hard time with our heavenly father up there because of our earthly father here. So let's think about this for a minute. Think about your father. Your father. Your father because here's where things get a little bit tricky. Because you can know about God the Father, but never really intimately know your heavenly Father at the same time. Because often the thing keeping you from truly experiencing the love of the Father was your earthly Father. Let me ask you a question, and no shame in the room. I want you to raise your hand in just a second if you've experienced this. If you come from uh, either one of these few things, a divorced family, uh, maybe your dad passed away or you never knew him, or your mom and your dad, your biological mom and dad are not still married together. How many of that? Wow, look around for just a second. My hand's up too. You can put it down. You know what this means, y'all? It means that many of us have it's called father wounds. Father wounds. It's where someone's sin affected you. See, every man is marked by his father and every daughter is marked by her dad. Whether what it was his presence or his absence, we're marked. I love how one pastor puts it. He says this. Your view of God tends to be a projection or a rejection of your earthly father. Think about how sin works like this. We can reject God because we think he's like our dad. Or we project, who he, uh, who, uh, we project on our father what your earthly father was like. Or we think maybe God's like our dad so we don't pray to him when we need him. Because your dad couldn't be counted on when he needed him. Or because we couldn't come to our dad when we needed him, we don't come to our heavenly father. I mean, think about this for a moment. How many songs do you hear about Jesus? How many songs do you hear about the father? Why? Well, I think often a lot of the songs are written by people like me and you who are comfortable praising the son because we're sons, but struggle to praise the Father because of our dads. I mean, how many times have you said, I love you, Jesus? How many times have you said, I love you, Father? Hmm, see, you are marked by your Father. And many of us don't have a good relationship with our dads. And for us dudes, let's just be real for a moment. Men in the room, this is a hard and touchy subject for us. Gets us in our feels a little bit is we don't want to talk about maybe the way our dad treated us. but We are marked by him. So let me just ask you, what was your father like? Was he a good one? Was he present? Was he soft? Was he a hard man? Do you even know him? What was he like? Because what happens is we often view God up there the way we view our dad down here. So what was your father like? Was he, a, was he an absent father? Maybe he, maybe he died, maybe it was cancer or a car accident or he died helping someone in the military. He was a law enforcement officer and, and, and you don't look at him angrily for that. You're, you're proud of him and you, you, he was valiant. He was courageous. Or, or, or maybe your dad just left and you don't know him. You barely remember much about him and he's gone and whether he passed away or he left you, there's still a major part of your heart that is empty that your father was made to be a part of. And he thought he just left you, but he never knew how much of a space he left in your heart. Maybe he was an awful father. Maybe he had an awful father. Maybe your dad was just plain awful. This was my dad's dad. Maybe, maybe he'd cheat on your mom, he'd beat your mom, he'd abuse you, tell you you're nothing. He was always drunk, always making promises he'd never keep. He was an awful, horrible, and demonic man, and he made your life awful because he was awful. Maybe that was your dad. Maybe you had an angry father. This is the dad that never hits you, but you always walked around on eggshells around him. He was mad, he was never affectionate, he never said, I love you. He was hard on you, he was hard on your siblings, he was hard on himself. He was just a hard man and it was hard to be his kid. And you played sports, you liked cars just to get his approval. He was an angry man and deep down you'd do anything to get some affection because he was just an angry dude. Maybe you had an apathetic father and apathetic just means he's lazy. He's kind of lazy towards being your dad. Everyone liked him, Right? Had no enemies, he was everyone's friend. He'd buy the beer for your friends growing up just because he wanted to be their friend too. He'd let your sister, you know, date whoever she wanted, didn't protect her, didn't step up. He was passive, he was spineless, and he never knew how to stand up and fight for your family. But shoot, he was a fun guy, right? Or or maybe you had an amazing father. And few of us have an amazing father. I have an amazing father. My dad wasn't perfect by any means, but I have a great dad, The amazing father, he's tough, he's tender, he wasn't perfect, but he loved Jesus, and he loved your mama, and he loved you. He was amazing. See, few of us have an amazing earthly father, but hear me, everyone can have an amazing heavenly father. That's the, that's the great news for us, that we all can have an amazing father. In fact, no matter how good your father was, even if he was dad of the year, or even if you never knew him, guess what? Your heavenly father is better than your father. And here's the good news that we read about in our last series, We Can Know. In 1 John, he says this, that, beloved, we are God's children now. You are no longer fatherless. You have a dad. You have a home. You're no longer homeless. You're not an orphan. You have a table. There's food in it. You have something to fill that space in your heart that's been left. And his name is Abba Father. He's a better father than yours. Can I tell you why? Because he's present and he's never absent. See, your dad might leave, but your father won't. God's made a promise to his people that he will never leave them or forsake them. And if you're a part of the family of God, that applies to you as well. He will never leave you. He's present and ne- never absent. He cannot walk away from you because it is in his very nature to keep his promises to you. That's your heavenly father. And he's good and he's never awful. See, your ma- your dad, he might be an awful man, but your father is good. The Bible says that he's good in all of his ways. Sure, it may not feel good in the moment, but God is constantly plotting for your ultimate joy in him. He doesn't want you to just be happy. He wants to fill you up with other joy in him. He wants to bless you. Even when you hurt him, he won't hit you back. He's steady. He's calm. He's never reckless. He is good. And he's kind as well. He's kind and not angry at you. See, your dad is always your your dad in heaven is always kind. His heart loves you. He's ready to talk. He wants to hear from you. He approves of you. He's proud of you. He'll discipline you when you step out of line, but even his discipline is kindness to you. He is a kind God, and he's involved. He's not apathetic. See, your dad, he might be a pushover, but your father will fight for you. He won't let you just do you. He'll get involved in the details of your life because he loves you. He cares for you, and that that. That care might hurt sometimes, but it's kind because he's involved and he cares more about your holiness than your happiness and he is not afraid to get super involved. And listen, the last thing is his grace is always amazing. He doesn't just welcome you back. He throws a party when you come back. He lavishes his love on you. He doesn't grow cold toward you when you mess up again and again and again. Every time you come home, it's like the first time you come home and his grace is always, always amazing to you. Listen to me, FC. This is your heavenly father. Hallowed be his name. So why would we not pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is your father. This is what's available to us because of Jesus and he's a better dad than yours. That's good news. And if we don't get this, hear me, if we don't get this, we Don't stand a chance against the enemy. Do you remember the best Disney movie of all time, which is Lion King, might I add? go ahead and say that, child of the 90s, all right? Uh, Not Lion King 2 or Lion King 1 1⁄2, that dark ages in Disney, Uh, followed by, of course, Frozen, because I'm a girl dad. Uh, Best movie, best, if you think I'm wrong, you are actually wrong. but Lion King is the best movie, uh, Disney movie of all time, and so uh, you you may know this. There's in the in the story there's Mufasa, and he's the he's the, the king of the land. He owns the Pride Land. Everybody respects him. He's the most powerful. He's the king of the jungle, right? And then he got his son Simba. Now in in the series, you know, like, or in the in the movie, you know, the whole thing. He's going to be king. He's going to rise up. I just can't wait to be. Yeah, right, there you go. You're, you're still awake and alive. That's good. All right. Uh, and so, you know, you got, you got Simba, and he's trying to figure out how to be king. He's trying to figure out how to be like his dad, right? So he goes down to the elephant boneyard. And in the elephant boneyard is where the elephants have all died, and in that place is the hyenas, and the hyenas are the bad guys in the film. And, and so Simba, he's down there, he's playing and hanging out, and all of a sudden, the hyenas come out, and they surround him. And they back him up into a corner. And if you know the movie, if you don't, you have homework. If you know the movie, he's backed up in the corner and the hyena looks at him and he says, I bet he doesn't even have his roar yet. And Simba's there and he takes his big deep breath and he's like, Meow. okay, I feel, I feel weird even doing that right now. Like, I got a feeling that this is going to be videoed and showed at our staff Christmas party as a meme, okay? <laughs> um, but he does it again, and he takes a big, deep breath, and he's like, "Wow!" and they're all like laughing at him, and he does the whole thing. It's pretty good, right? <laughs> I hate cats. Uh, <laughs> it's a whole other sermon. Uh, and then the third time, Simba takes this big, deep breath, and he opens his mouth. And Mufasa roars. And can I tell you, this is why the enemy's kicking our teeth in. Because we don't know that we don't have to do it in our own strength. We don't have to take a big deep breath and try to open our mouth and win against the forces of the enemy. All we gotta do is stay connected to our dad, stay by his side, and open our mouths and let him roar. See, we wonder why Christians are deconstructing left and right and they're walking away from the faith. We wonder why a lot of Christians in the South care more about QAnon than their neighbors next door. We wonder why the LGBTQ movement is more attractive to the next generation than the church. It's because we have a generation of Christians who are fatherless. We have a generation of Christians who believe that Jesus can forgive them, but haven't been healed by their father. And I believe that, that the promise that was made in the Old Testament, that we would humble ourselves and we would seek his face, that God would heal our land, but more importantly, he would heal our hearts so that we might know him, so that we might need, not be fatherless any more. And some of you today, the challenge is not for you to just ask, seek, knock, you do the whole thing. No, 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 The challenge for some of us in the room today or watching online is that you would simply come back to your Father. Well, how do we do that? Here's what Jesus says. He says this, verse 6, John 14. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life that you're looking for. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, we often forget that Jesus doesn't just forgive us from our sins he makes a way for us to know our father our heavenly father that it's only through his body being sacrificed for us that we can be reconciled to our heavenly father and for some of you today you believe in Jesus and maybe because your father wrongs you, your earthly father messed you up, you're dealing with some trauma there, maybe that's been the thing that's keeping you from actually knowing your heavenly father. And I just want you to know that everything you need to know your heavenly father is been, has been made available to you today. That's why we're about to take communion, right? What communion simply is, is it's where we remember that Jesus sacrificed his own body for us, but also the Father sacrificed his son for us. In a moment, we're gonna take communion, and I'm just gonna ask that nobody leave right now. This is gonna be a, a very impactful moment for many people in the room and I'm going to ask that you just don't get up right now and you stay seated to not distract somebody from what God's going to do in their life but there's two tabs on this and we have two elements here we have the bread we have the juice and what we do is when we take the juice we remember that Jesus' blood was shed for us so that we could be made right with our father And when we take the bread, we remember that Jesus' body was broken and crushed on a cross so that we might be made right with our Father. And so we take communion like Jesus calls us to. He says, remember my sacrifice. He says, do this in remembrance of me. And before he does, he says, he calls us to examine ourselves, to not take the Lord's Supper unworthily. And so I'm gonna ask, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, this isn't for you right now. But for those of us who have a relationship with Jesus, we remember that we can have communion with the Father. We can have a relationship with the Father. And like Ephesians says, because we've been made right with God, we now have every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Everything you need to live a powerful and effective life for the kingdom and for his glory was purchased for you with the body of the son of God. So right now, in a moment, I'm gonna pray and we are going to remember that sacrifice because hear me, good fathers love to give good gifts and Jesus is his gift to you. His grace, His love, His mercy. So that we might come back to our Father. Maybe you don't have a relationship with God the Father. Maybe you, don't have a, maybe you haven't been forgiven by God the Son. You're not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. And you're like, today I want to begin a relationship with Jesus. It's very simple. Out in our atrium, we have a care and prayer room. You can go talk to someone today. Just say, hey, I want to I have a relationship with my Heavenly Father. They'll show you how to do that. But right now, we're going to remember... Christ has done. Let me pray for us and then you'll be able to take the elements on your own after you examine your heart. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, Father, Spirit, Father, we thank you that you sent your Son Jesus to die on a cross for us so that we might walk in the power of the Holy Spirit for the, for the rest of our lives. Father, we thank you for the sacrifice that he made. We thank you for the blood that was shed. We thank you for the, for the body that was broken so that we might not live in darkness anymore. So Father, I pray that today there are some people in this room who are just saying, I'm coming back home. I'm coming to you. And I pray that as we open a location and we open a new facility and we go into game day and we enter this new world post-COVID, would the power of the Holy Spirit use us in a mighty way? So Father, thank you for making all this possible through your Son. And it's by his blood and in his name we pray this. Amen. (music) Thank you for listening to this sermon from Foothills Church. If you made a decision to follow Christ while listening today, or if you have some more questions about what that looks like, then let us know. You can text Decision to 97000, or you can head over to foothillschurch.com slash decision. We hope you have a great week.